fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society, allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, darn right it is. Welcome into the program. You made it to the pre-Friday celebration, which is, by the way, the best day of the entire week. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. There are too many topical issues. I just don't know where to start. Student loans are being frozen for now, as the Supreme Court says they will take a look at those. We have Kanye West saying stupid things. We have the stock market that's going back down again as inflation. They still, they still lie to us economically. Eventually, people are going to catch on and realize that they're just full of you-know-what, which I think most people are already there. Welcome into the program. we got a big one lined up for you today, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we appreciate you and love you to death. Coming up at the show, bottom of the hour, we have Michael Wilkerson. He is the author of the book, Why America Matters, as we talk about American exceptionalism. Kind of a nice story. We don't hear about American exceptionalism much anymore, do we? About how great this country is, even with all of our flaws, we still are pretty awesome. We still kick some butt across the nation and and across the world, and we need to be proud of that. So we'll talk about American exceptionalism. Do we still have it today? How do we get it back and the progress that we have in this nation compared to other nations around the world? While we, It's kind of ironic that we're talking about that issue today, though, because as we talk about exceptionalism and how great we are, I mean, we stand above and beyond. It's like going into a gym. You ever walk into a gym and they have all the motivational things written on the wall and painted on the wall? You know, be better, be the best, you know, be the top 1%. You can do it. You can always do this. Always pushing yourself to the next limit. And while we should be as a nation, I feel like that we've kind of slacked off in other areas in this nation, including, like, I don't know, maybe our leaders, for example. Is it? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is now we are to the point in this country where the grand leader of the nation, known as President Joe Biden of the United States of America, we now not only have to watch what he says because he has so many gaffes, we've taken it now to where we have to average the amount of gaffes that he does across a monthly basis. Remember during the Trump administration, they started trying to uh, talk about how many times he you know, says bigly or huge or whatever. Now we have a gaffe tracker, which is what we're going to call it, the voice of reason gaffe tracker here on the show. During the Biden basement segment. Let's go into the Biden basement. Prescription drugs for seniors, no matter what their cost, 2, 10, 12, 15, hope stepping on them. That's black. Anyway. Dollars I put in the budget for HBCUs. You know why? HBCUs don't have the endowments other have, but guess what? You're just as smart, you're just as bright, you're just as good as any college in America. I don't know what he's talking about. That was Joe Biden on the campaign trail over the last month. That was just for the month of November. And oh boy, are there so many more that we don't even want to talk about on this program. But the gaffes of Joe Biden. We have a gaffe tracker for the president of the United States. Now, according to Fox News, the Biden administration averages a half a gaffe per workday for the month of November. A slight slump. 
batting average compared to his nearly once-a-day hot streak in the month of October, but still noticeable during his multiple campaign speeches ahead of the midterm elections and foreign policy summit events that he's had. So there you have it, the gaff tracker for the Biden administration while we go into the Biden basement trying to understand what our great leaders are saying. Let's go into the Biden basement. Speaking of gaffes, I want to get into our topical issue of the day. What's trending today? And this is kind of an odd one to talk about because I'm curious. And please, please correct me if I'm wrong, but can someone please explain to me why we have certain people out there in the media talking that don't need to be out there talking? People that have no clue what they're saying that have no political credibility. Now, look, anybody can have an opinion on politics. Obviously, that's how politics is. You have your opinion. And many, including myself, being on the radio, are lucky enough to have a platform for people to listen to our opinions. And hopefully you gain something by listening to this program, not just by hearing my opinion, but by hearing some type of argument, by me doing research and presenting a side of it that makes you go, hmm, scratches your head a little bit and makes you ponder the issue just a little bit deeper. That's my goal on this program. Make you chuckle a little bit, but make you ponder and think about things just a little bit deeper than the average guy sitting at the bar saying, oh, I tell you what, this stuff's a bunch of crap. We try to unveil those layers of the onion just a little bit deeper. But there are some that are talking heads or apparent talking heads out there now that just blab and blab about really stupid stuff and say really stupid things. And I'm telling you right now that it's dangerous because while you can have that and anybody can have their opinion, sometimes you just make the other side's job a little bit easier when they're so loosey-goosey at throwing terms out there like Republicans being evil and hate-filled and Nazis and fascists and Hitler lovers or whatever else they try to call us. Because let me be very clear to you, Democrats and progressives, and I know you listen to the show because I get your hate mail all the time, which you can email me at network at gmail.com. Republicans, conservatives, do not like fascism. We are not the fascists. We are not the radical Nazis. We are not the ones that are trying to create world wars. We are not the ones that are trying to segregate and become the racist. We are not that party. In fact, we are the absolute opposite. You can talk about racism, as we've done throughout the history of this country, with the Democrats passing segregation laws and, you know, separate but equal and Jim Crow and the slavery and all this other garbage that they've done. They started the, the, the KKK to try and abuse and try to oppress and try and keep the minorities down across the history. The Democrats have done all of that. It's been talked about many times. We don't need to go down that road today. On the ideological front... And I, again, I want you to open your minds for a second. Just have the conversation, Democrats, for just a second. I know you get very you know, worked up and you're so shallow that when you start being confronted with ideas opposite yours, you kind of build up a wall and you get defensive. I don't want you to get defensive right now. I want you to listen and then respond after you ponder it, mull it over in your brain, and let it soak in for a little bit. On an ideological front, it is absolutely 110% impossible for conservatives to be Nazis or fascists. 110% impossible, not plausible, absolutely not a, not able to do so in any way, shape, or form. How? How, Andy? What are you talking about? Republicans are, of course, the fascists and the Nazis. Conservatives believe in limited government. The states should handle things. The business should handle their own business. 
the individual should handle their own individual business. You live your life as you want to. And I don't really care what you do in your home. I don't care what you do in your closed doors. I don't care what you do in your bedroom. It has nothing to do with me. I'm going to live my life based on my values, my religious and spiritual beliefs, and the way that I think based on my moral uh, line on what is acceptable and not acceptable. I'm going to live my life that way. You are not going to impose your will onto me. You're not going to impose your crazy taxes onto me. And I'm sorry, but taxation through a charitable program is forced at charity, which is not charity. If I'm going to help somebody, I'm going to do it in my community by offering them either a hand or with money or with whatever I do, but forcing me through to do it through a uh, program in the government that's taxed is not charity. Now, that being said, that's we just kind of laid out the whole conservative views there. That being said, the other side of the aisle that believes in the centralized education system, that believes in removing firearms away from private individuals, that believes in taxation through the evil rich people or taxation through everybody so we can have a distribution system through socialism, that is by definition socialism, communism, fascism. In fact, as you continue to control the private businesses through global uh, t- through climate change initiatives, the cap and trade, and uh, you can't produce as much, and you need to be green, and we need to force the auto industry to go into the EV industry. Whatever you try to do through the government, forcing private companies to do certain things, that is literally the definition of fascism, which is controlling the private economy through the centralized government and controlling private industry. That's what the definition of it is. We fight against that because we like a free market, lazy for a privatized economy. Now, I'm building this up to something because we have to lay out the groundwork on definitions. If anybody's ever done professional debate, then you know you have to define things before you actually make your argument because then there could be some wiggle room in there with the legalities of the definition of what you're trying to say. So I lay out the definitions here of what fascism is, what conservatism is, and how they're absolutely 100% incompatible. It's like oil and water. They don't work. Don't put oil in or don't put water in your oil of your engine because it will ruin the engine. They're incompatible. They do not work. That is conservatism and that is Nazism or fascism or whatever you want to call it. The reason I bring this up is because there was apparently an interview with Kanye West, which leads me to my first point of why the hell do we bring these people on to talk when they have no reason to be talking. Kanye West is mentally ill. Kanye West has openly admitted that he has mental health issues that he refuses to take medication for because he says the medication does not allow him to be as creative as what he wants, so therefore he refuses to take them. He said that openly on the Joe Rogan podcast. Why he met with Trump, I don't know. And why he was on the Alex Jones program, I don't know. Now, I'm going to clarify that I am a fan of Alex Jones. I think that the way he goes about his issues are a little bit more on the hyperbolic level, more so than what I like to do on this show, and a little bit more aggressive, which is more than what I like to do on this program. But when it comes down to his core beliefs of what he stands for, I support Alex Jones. But he had Kanye West on the program for whatever reason, and Kanye West made this claim while on the show. That's right. You're not Hitler. You're not a Nazi. You don't deserve to be called that and demonized. Well, I I see I I see good things about Hitler also. The Jew I love everyone and Jewish people are not going to tell me you can love um you know us and you can love what we're doing to you with the contracts and you can love what we're you know what we're pushing with the pornography. But this guy that 
invented highways, invented the very microphone that I use as a musician. You can't say out loud that this person ever did anything good, and I'm done with that. I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially Hitler. Okay. That was on the InfoWars program with Alex Jones, and that was Kanye West. Now, first off, why you even have Kanye West on the show, I don't know, because he's, let's just say, he's an idiot. He is mentally ill. I feel bad for him. I don't really feel bad for him. He's got multiple multi-million dollar mansions, and he's complaining about having to file bankruptcy because he's not making any money. You know what? That's your own damn fault. You got, in, you got involved with the Kardashians, which is your first mistake because you're going to go mentally insane there. Probably drove you nuts, and now you're trying to struggle here because you're saying that you're going against Jews and big Jew corporations. I don't get the fascination with hating Jews. Doesn't make any sense to me. Don't know why people do that. I don't know why people hate anybody. It doesn't make any sense. I'm not a pacifist, but I don't know why people hate. I will defend myself to the nth degree. But I don't hate anybody. Anybody. I do not hate or despise anybody, and I don't know why people do that. It drives me nuts. It doesn't matter. I don't know why Kanye West has a platform to speak because he's not the brightest tool in the box. But for him to say something like that, I get, again, we have to break down what he's saying. I get what he's trying to say. This is almost like the Donald Trump statement, what Donald Trump really meant to say back in the day. I get what he's trying to say. As a Christian, as a religious individual, everybody has value and you have to love everybody, even Hitler, even the most horrible people on the face of the earth, because God told us to love everybody. So therefore, we have to find the bright side of everybody. Okay, I understand that concept. Hitler was not a good guy. He may have done some things that helped progress society in some way, shape or form with some of the technological advancements that he did. Outside of that, no one should be praising Hitler. Stop it. Kanye, just just stop. Okay, just go go make some more music, go do your church thing, and leave us alone. Stop it. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason, common sense, rationale, that's what we do on this program. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out on a pre-Friday celebration. I know it's moving slow for you after the holidays, but hey, we're here to kind of get you going and keep that energy moving. So we have Kanye West out there making ridiculous claims, saying that he doesn't hate Nazis, that he's okay with it, that he loves Hitler. Not because he loves Hitler, but because he loves what Hitler did outside of the whole genocide thing of killing 6 million plus Jews, but because of all the innovations that he did. (laughs) Is that a claim that people are okay making? Because, look, Hitler, along with so many other individuals, ended up having breakthroughs. Now, the way they did their breakthroughs were completely immoral, and that's why there's a morality line of uh, the line between the decency of humanity and advancing technologically because do you realize the horrible things they had to do to do some of those breakthroughs for science and with medical breakthroughs they were literally experimenting with people while they were alive cracking their brains open and seeing what would happen if they start poking and prodding around individuals brains it was completely inhumane and absolutely unbelievable but yet at the same time they got some medical breakthroughs and is that the only way to do it i don't know because I'm not smart like that, but you don't talk about those things in that way. And look, while we made it very clear, we laid our definitions out, what is a conservative, what is a fascist, what is a Nazi, you can see they're completely incompatible, but yet the Democrats, they're so loosey-goosey and ignorant and completely on the low IQ level, they're not the quietest brands in the uh, crayons in the boxes, if you know what I mean, that they 
love to throw that term out there that Donald Trump's a fascist, Donald Trump's a Nazi, his supporters, the MAGA individuals are Nazis and fascists, and we're not. And what does it do? It always knocks the Republicans back on their heels. It always knocks conservatives back on their heels to have to go into defense mode. No, I'm not, and this is why. Um, we don't have to because we not, we're not, and we know we're not. And if they say that, then it just shows the ignorance that they have on their level. But what this does do is that politically motivates the left because for some weird reason, the Democrats have used Kanye West as a spokesperson and talking point for the Republican Party with what he says, and they lump it into what Trump says and what MAGA fans say and what Republicans say. Which, of course, I get it on the political aisle. They always try to use the extremes on one side or the other in order to try and demonize and create the scarecrow to attack and say, look at what they stand for. I get it. The progressives, they have a very loud vocal minority, and that's why we use them, because they're a very loud vocal minority, and they're actually changing the dynamic of the Democrat Party and changing their platform and agenda to what the radical extreme left actually says. But we have to be reasonable about that as well. There was, And I use this prime example. When I was in radio in Denver, when I was first getting my start, and I was going through high school, I went to high school in Colorado, I grew up in Colorado, I, I went to radio broadcasting school in Colorado, I did my internships in Colorado, and during my internship at Clear Channel in Denver, the massive powerhouse of multiple stations in Denver, Colorado, there I interned for 850KOA, which was the station, the host by the name of Mike Rosen, the legend of Colorado, he had filled in for Mike Rosen a few times, we've even, or filled in for Rush Limbaugh a couple of times, we've had... Mike Rosen on the program here a few times uh, with us over the years. He's officially retired now. But there was another station in the cluster, 760 Progressive Talk. Now, this is back in the day of Air America, before Air America went bankrupt because the liberal progressive talk shows couldn't make it in the private sector by getting small businesses to fund and sponsor them while they trash small business in the private sector. It didn't work out too well. But there was a range of talk show hosts that I would listen to on 760 Progressive Talk, and there were some that were somewhat reasonable, I obviously still disagreed with them, but I could at least understand their talking points. And then there were radicals out there. There's a talk show host by the name of Tom Hartman, who's a Democrat, but he's a constitutionalist. And he at least makes them valued, valuable arguments to where I can listen to what he has to say. There were others, like a guy by the name of David Sirota, who is a local host, who's now a writer for Salon.com, or at least he was last I heard, who was out there saying that Barack Obama was a flaming right conservative Republican. Obviously... A complete nut job. There's a range. There's a spectrum there. I don't use David Sirota as the argument to say all Democrats think that Barack Obama's a flaming right-wing Republican and they're nuts like that. Many of them, they're nuts in their own particular ways. But we have to be clear. Democrats use Kanye West for the spokesperson, the radical, the nut of the Republican Party. And it's got to stop. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right you are. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a pre-Friday celebration. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of radio into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time on multiple radio stations all over the place. Welcome aboard. By the way, I do want to remind you real quickly as well that if you have not done so yet, we have new listeners on all the time between the streaming, between the podcasting, between uh, the radio stations, just people flipping through. If you are, then first off, welcome. We're growing. We're expanding. 
We're based out of the heart of Wichita, Kansas, but we are on stations all over the country, and we have more coming and more big news and more awesome things happening on a daily basis, so stay tuned in for that. If you have not, though, go to the website at whosyourreason.com, H-O-O-S-E-R reason.com. We have our newsletter coming up on Monday next week. It's a monthly newsletter we send with all of our goodies, our blog for the month, and things we've done on the radio show and with my Hoosier Media Network, with our side projects that we're working on, and uh, civic holidays for the month, whatever else. I don't know. I don't even know what's on there. If you haven't signed up yet, become a Hoosier-holic. Just go to the website at HoosierReason.com. Subscribe. It says, do you want to be a Hoosier-holic? You say, yes, I do. It's totally free. We don't spam you. Just a once-a-month email, and you can enjoy that one. Let's get into our What's Trending. I'm tired of talking about Kanye West. I get it. He is, here's the thing, again, and just to finish this one off, I know Democrats love to use the extreme. They love to use the iconic Alex Jones or Kanye West or even Donald Trump, I guess, as the radical, extreme, crazy fringe of what the Republicans stand for. And is that true? That's not necessarily who we are. Now, I will say that there is a place for someone like Alex Jones. Again, I think he's a little more hyperbolic on my end but uh, than what I enjoy. But when it comes to his core beliefs, he's a conservative libertarian. And there's a place for the rabble rousers because of people that are frustrated, that are angry, and that are emotionally riled up. I get it. Here on this program, we do things in a little bit more reasonable manner. But don't give the Democrats an easier way to attack us by having someone on like Kanye West who is mentally ill, who has openly admitted that he's mentally ill, and then goes on the program and talks about how we shouldn't be hating on Hitler and how he's okay with Nazis. Like, that's just, that's not the best way on a PR plan. As a political guy, that's not the best PR plan that we could possibly have. So, remember, Democrats, and I know you listen to the program, you got to remember here, fascism, Nazism, totally incompatible with conservatism. So if someone's trying to claim that that stuff's okay with government utopianism, trying to control the private sector, trying to take away guns, trying to centralize the education system, trying to dumb down people through taxation and government programs. Oh, wait a second. That's the entire Democrat platform. I'm sorry. Did I? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's my rant for the day. Let's get into what's trending. What's trending today? Oh, and by the way, as we talk about our upcoming topic here with American exceptionalism, we are exceptional because we have fought off government utopianism since the beginning of our nation. It's a struggle now, and it's getting closer to getting to that breaking point where can we come back from it? I don't know. But we pride ourselves on not centralizing our government and depending fully on the government. We pride ourselves as the Americans to put on our boots, to strap up the bootstraps, and to get it done ourselves. To be the hardworking class, the middle class Americans that get this nation, that expand this nation, that create the small business that is 99% of economic growth in this country. We are the pride of this country, not the government. And anybody that says otherwise... They don't quite understand what exceptionalism is. Speaking of that, I'm excited to talk with our next guest. He is the author of the book, Why America Matters, the case for a new exceptionalism. Happy to have on the program, Mr. Mike Wilkerson. Mike, how are, how are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing well, Andy. Great to be here with you. Yeah, I am excited to talk and chat with you. I appreciate you coming on. Here's the big question. Are we exceptional still as a nation? Do we have American exceptionalism, or is it beginning to fade? We absolutely still have it, and yes, it's beginning to fade, but the good news is it's not too late. And I think uh, well, I'm optimistic, and the book is optimistic, because I do believe that Americans are rediscovering who they are and their core values uh, and what they can do to restore uh, this great nation. 
I love that. There is a cycle, and we talk about it a lot on the program, of the hard times create hard men, the hard men create the good times, the good times create the weak men, the weak men create the hard times, and it's a vicious cycle. And we're into the phase now where we have a lot of weak men creating a very hard time. How much further do we have to go down that road before it creates the hard men to fix things, or do you think that we're already on that uptrend right now and, and climbing up the mountain again? We're not quite there yet. I like the analogy way you describe the cycle because I think what has happened, the unintended consequence or unintended benefits of uh, the pandemic, lockdowns, response, the Biden administration, all these things that have happened is it's forced us to realize, wow, things are really bad. Wow, these really are bad policies. Wow, we really are going down a wrong track. And by the way, a lot of us don't know why. So a lot of what I tried to address in, in this book was really to kind of help awaken the sleeping and inform the unaware about what was happening and also to encourage the, uh, the disheartened because a lot of people are, you know, grew so tired in the last few years of the things that they saw going on in Washington, the thing they saw going on in their own, in the schools of their children, the things they saw going on with inflation, the things they saw going on at the border. And there, there is a way out and the way out is by remembering who we are as a nation, remembering the foundational principles of crazy ideas, like the idea that all men and women were created equal, that God had given us rights that no sovereign could take away, that in fact the government was to be run by the people, for the people, of the people, not by a corrupt bureaucracy that had centralized power and had declared that half of the nation was domestic terrorists. So we're, we're in a battle. We're in, I don't think we're, we're on the upswing quite yet, but I do think we're, as I say in the book, kind of in this winter season, feels cold, feels death-like, but you have to go through winter. Same thing you were just saying, you have to go through winter in order to get to any kind of springtime, any kind of renewal. So I think that's where we are today. Yeah. Amen. I love that. And I love that analogy. And I love the fact that we are starting to wake up. The question is, when did we really start going down this road? Has it been an ongoing battle since the beginning of the nation, of the centralization? Was it during the Great Deal and during uh, FDR and the programs of socialization then? Was it the creation of of departments? Was it recent during the Barack Obama era? I mean, when did this really take hold to start declining as we are? Well, so it, all, it does go back to the founders and the founding generation debates between Jefferson on the one hand and people like Adams and Hamilton on the other who wanted more centralized power. I don't think either side would ever have imagined the monstrosity that the federal government uh, has become. You, you hit on the key points in terms of the actual structure. It was the, the FDR era of the, of the New Deal. It was uh, LBJ and the Great Society. What happened, though, was not just the, the physical infrastructure building up consolidating power. Really beginning in the 1960s, we began a slow ideological attack, which I talk about in the book, that you know, coming out of um, the, the universities, this idea of you know, really Marxist ideas, ideas of critical theory, ideas that, that eventually formed into what we call identity politics today. We have been under a ideological attack for 50 years that has undermined a lot of the ideals. And today, if you ask, especially younger generations, younger cohorts, things like, is democracy a good thing? Is our constitution a good idea? You get very weak uh, answers because they don't know. They've been indoctrinated. They've been really confused uh, by a lot of these things. So I think you can look at the 1960s, 1970s was really a period that brought a lot of this to bear, at least on the ideological front. And of course, it's been a steady growth and centralization of, of power. If you think about the corrupt institutions, and I talk about this in the book, when I talk about the crisis that we're faced with, um, the fact that we can't trust our institutions and they don't trust us, by institutions, I mean the three-letter agencies, all of that, yeah. even as far back as the 
1970s, the Church Senate Church Commission uh, revealed all sorts of bad actors, all sorts of bad things that were going on at the CIA and its and uh, CIA, FBI, and other three-letter agencies of the time, uh, it didn't seem to stick. Uh, we went right back to it. We saw that it came out of issues as, uh, revealed by Edward Snowden and some of that disclosure. It has gotten out of hand, and we're seeing it, of course, even as recently as this year. Uh, I said it before, but when you're, you've got half of the nation identified as a domestic terrorist, I don't know that there's much, uh, we've we're, we're kind of gone past the road to reconciliation at this stage. Yeah, that's the concerning part. I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, identity politics has been the huge, and we talk a lot about identity politics here because that is the meat and potatoes for the Democrats. It's all about divide and conquer based on your skin color, your age, your sex, your religion, your whatever it may be. They always love to divide and put you in this certain box. But then they've taken it to another level where they're so loosey-goosey with throwing accusations at the other side of the aisle that, yeah, we've been labeled as, quote-unquote, domestic terrorism. And you can't come back from that level. I don't know how you can find unity after you think that someone is literally trying to blow you up or destroy you or be the worst person on the face of the earth. You can't try to reconcile after that. And I don't know how we move forward from that. Well, we can't do it under this administration. You know, I'm sure that most people on this radio program, your audience, did not vote for uh, President Biden. But I will tell you that there was a complete bait and switch from what he said at the inauguration, where he talked about a reconciliation, and then immediately handed over the keys of his administration to the most radical elements of the progressive left. Um, You know, you were talking before I got on about the parties. Uh, You know, the Democrats are splintered as the Republicans are splintered. But unfortunately, this very loud vocal minority, what I call the progressive left, the radical left, uh, they've taken over the reins and they've taken over control. And um, they're the ones that are incredibly divisive and and, and undermined the very fabric of our nation. And it's seeping seeping into our military uh, and into all our schools and all other walks of life. It's incredibly dangerous. It would be dangerous enough if we weren't also facing a new global challenge in a rising China that has its sights set on undermining not just our economy, but our society and our political process. Amen to that. We're talking with Michael Wilkerson, author of the book, Why America Matters, the case for a new exceptionalism, which you can find him on the Tweety. You can find him on Facebook and on his website as well. Get the book for that one. Mike, we got to take a break here in just about 30 seconds. Can you just go over one more segment with us? You bet. Awesome. I love it because I want to continue this conversation on what we can do to fix this issue because it is going to get worse unless we do something about it. And we need to expose it and we need to focus on these. But how do we change a system that is so grand and so big that they've dominated us uh, for years and years? So we'll talk about that when we come back here. Plus, the exceptionalism that we still have and the pride that we have in this nation. Other nations may not see it right now, but do we still have some exceptionalism in this country and how can we be prideful of that where do we stand on the global front we'll do all that and more when we come back here with mike wilkerson why america matters is the book right here on the voice reason for a pre-friday celebration lots more coming up stay here the voice of reason with andy hoosier for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. So I just saw a headline during the break that Stacey Abrams, the failed Democrat politician that was supposed to be the Democrat star, rising for the Democrats to be the next president or at least be the governor of Georgia, who's now failed to become governor of Georgia twice now. So sorry, 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 Stacey Abrams. 
I saw that she's now trying to lobby the Biden administration be the next head of the FCC. <laughs> Is that a joke? Is that a joke? She just won't go away. The failed politician, again, that was supposed to be the rock star, the superstar of the Democrat Party, she's failed miserably in every election that she's done. She's now trying to be within the government to be the next head of the FCC. Let me tell you. If she heads up the FCC, then you can have a very deep discussion about what could be said or not said on the radio, and you could say goodbye to a lot of conservative talk radio because she will put regulations in like none other. Craziness. You want to talk about American exceptionalism? That will take us in the opposite direction. Right now we're talking with Mike Wilkerson, author of the book Why America Matters, the Case for a New Exceptionalism. So, Mike, let's let's talk about how to move forward here. We have a major government right now. As you mentioned, all these alphabet soup uh, agencies and departments that essentially run everything. And Congress, a long time ago, made the biggest mistake of their life by passing things on to them, where they essentially write bills, they hand it to Congress or to the president to sign an executive order, and we have to, according to Nancy Pelosi, pass it to see what's in it. How do we fix this mess, and how do we bring us back to exceptionalism and pride for the country? Well, there's so many things there that you've hit on. They're all right points. So first of all, you know what the, the Congress, on the one hand, has been so dysfunctional that it's handed over uh, power to the executive branch to make all these executive orders because they won't, don't do the job themselves. It's true for other agencies. We saw it during uh, pandemic response, this period of time with lockdowns, everything else, where the agencies were shooting from their hip, just doing whatever they wanted, stepping on the jurisdiction of Congress. So what do you what do you do? Congress needs to take back its rightful role as making laws. They need to get out of their own way to be able to do that. And you mentioned the FCC and similar. We have to break this uh, censorship culture, this um, monopoly of information. Maybe that's not the right word, but let's call it the surveillance culture where uh, the big tech firms, whether it be Google, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, up to this point at least, were clearly censoring information, conspiring to influence elections, and uh, have to be held accountable. They won't be held accountable, of course, until we get a change in uh, an administration, a change in power, a change in Congress, etc. But it has to start there. It also has to start with state governments taking back their rightful authority. You know, the, uh, the, the Constitution says that federal government doesn't have any power, that the Constitution doesn't explicitly grant it all the power vested in the states. Yep. Over the last decade, we were talking earlier about the New Deal and FDR. We've had the centralization of power that historically belongs to the states, that rightfully under the Constitution belongs to the states. I live in the state of Florida. I happen to see that we have a great governor who's actually taking action to uh, pick up the mantle of authority uh, that he has under the Constitution that Florida can make its own decisions about the future of its citizens and not be subject uh, to these uh, horrible policies that are being administered uh, by someone in D.C. Amen to that. Yeah, you guys got a rock star down there with Ron DeSantis, and I love the fact that he won with uh, a vast, uh, overwhelming majority there. I mean, it was one of the first races called in the yeah. midterms, showing that uh, I don't think that Florida is a swing state anymore. I think it's more of a red state, nope. as long as we continue that yes. mindset. Now, uh, in just about the last minute or so that we have here, do you think that the biggest threat that we have right now is we talked about identity politics, we've talked about the centralization of power. Do you think the biggest threat we have right now to fight back is the censorship that's going on online and social media? Free up people's voices and you free up the debate. And, and then I think a lot of things kind of domino effect from that positive things begin to happen. When truth can come out, when people can say uh, what's on their minds, when they have their voice back, then all these other things start to change. You start to, to see the, what, just take a, as an example, 
the fact that parents are showing up at school board meetings, speaking their minds, speaking truth, first of all, and then speaking truth to the power that's been illegitimately usurped from them uh, and taking it back. So, yes, I think that goes a long way uh, to begin to address a number of these issues facing the country today. I love it. I love it. It's ways that we can fight back, and we're starting to see it in the last 30 seconds or so. I mean, we see the fighting back right now. I mean, while we're called domestic terrorists, we're seeing more parents actually sign up for school boards all over the nation. I mean, the rise is beginning to happen. Like you said, we're waking up. Are we waking up fast enough in about 20 seconds? Yeah, we are waking up. I love it. And by the way, my book, Why America Matters, you can find it at whyamericamatters.com before we run out of time here. Um, but what I would say is it's one of the things that left me very encouraged is that I do see and they gave the example of, of, of parents at school board meetings, but it's happening all over the place, that Americans are waking up, they're reminding themselves, they're not being cowed by the threats and intimidations, uh, whether it be of the Department of Justice to go after parents at school board meetings. They will not uh, step down. Yeah. There, there's something rising up in them, which is a heart and a courage to stand up as Americans for what they know is right. That's what it's about. WhyAmericaMatters.com. Check out the website. Mike, we appreciate the time very much, my friend. Let's do it again real soon. We appreciate your time very, very much. That's it for today. Podcast up in a bit. We'll see you tomorrow on the radio for a Friday.